0: Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name is Terry Barber with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Bishop Strickland, thanks again for joining us again for your show each week here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
1: Thank you, Terry.
0: I'm going to call you the John the Baptist of the 21st century now that you're growing that beard. And I hope <laughs> you can fill the footsteps of that because right now we need a John the Baptist to wake up, not just the church and the world, both because we're we're spiraling out of control. And the only way that the way we're going to get back is through the kingship of Christ. You spoke about that last week. So I thank you for that. But Bishop Strickland, before I get into the content of your show, I just want to get a reaction from you. Uh, I was blown away when I saw this Eucharistic procession. That kind of ties into our Eucharist t- talk here. Uh, in Nigeria, I see these guys on I mean, the priest holding the Blessed Sacrament up on a horse-drawn carriage and people throwing flowers and worshiping Jesus in the Eucharist. And then I read that 93% of Catholics in Nigeria, huge country, 163 million people live there, go to church on Sunday. And I have to ask myself, I mean, we live in America where I don't think it's 18% because I can, from what I'm gathering, all the statistics... Go to church on Sunday. What's the difference? Well, I see persecution in Nigeria from the from Muslims uh, doing things that are bad to the Christians there. But I also see that the African church, in my opinion, you can correct me right on the air. I believe the African church is the hope of the entire church in the world today because they seem to be holding on to these perennial teachings, whether it's sexual. Teachings on homosexuality or abortion, they don't seem to be compromising like the West. Am I on to something?
1: I think you are, Terry. Um, and as you talk, I think part of it is also uh, the poverty that they deal with. I mean, it's, it's extreme sometimes. But even talking about a Eucharistic procession with a horse-drawn carriage, <laughs> here you'd say, why are they doing that? Get a truck, you know, get some sort of vehicle. And and I think it's just a reminder of that simplicity that comes. Certainly the persecution is part of it. Yeah. But we in this country, with all the blessings that we have, even in the midst of all the chaos, we're still immensely blessed. And there's an opportunity to really learn from Nigeria to refocus on what's really important. Um, I was just the most recent reflection that I had on the joyful mysteries just really just sort of swept over me. The, the joy of, and as we are approaching the season of Advent, I'm going to try to make it a quieter, more penitential Advent than it, it ever has been for me right. because I think we need it. We need, as I mentioned somewhere already, I would encourage that we make this Advent more like Lent and then the coming Lent just go deeper into fasting and reparation and just deeper into holiness. I mean, that's what it's about, not to say how many things can I give up or, you know, to sort of have a scorecard, but it's about growing closer to the sacred heart of Christ. And so I encourage people to use this Advent and that's that's where the you say people throwing flowers yeah. because they know this this is the king of the universe, this is their <laughs> Lord and Savior. This isn't just a, a, a symbol or a, a an image or a reminder that they're that is processing through their streets. It's Christ the King. And the more we can really strengthen that Eucharistic faith, I mean, like we've talked about before. Absolutely, we need Eucharistic revival, and it needs to be multidimensional and affecting everything that we do, because our Lord is present in the Eucharist, and the more we can encourage people to know that, then the percentages of people attending Mass, not just on Sundays, but frequently, making it, of course we go on Sundays, because we go several times a week. Yeah, I know people that are daily communicants, and it's a great blessing to them and to the community that they're a part of.
0: Absolutely, and I just want to mention a plug for Friday uh, here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Father Don Calloway. I did a pre-recorded show on a new book by him, by Saint Julian Emard, who's the apostle for Eucharistic adoration, and. Um, it's a small booklet, but if you uh, want to hear about it, you can listen to the Friday show on VMPR anytime with Father Donald Calloway. The guy is phenomenal in his research on, this, uh, on promoting Eucharistic adoration, so that's just a plug for him. Um, and also, just to say this, Father Don Calloway thinks the world of Bishop Strickland because he says I, it's, it's refreshing to see a bishop stand and speak the truth and not worry about where the chips will fall. So that's a a comment from Father Don Calloway, and he tries to do it himself, so thank you. Um, Bishop Strickland, there's one more thing before I get to the topic that... um, I just got this right before the show started, that in Spain, in Spain, Catholic Spain, the socialist government, but they're now outlawing public resuscitation of the rosary, that you can't publicly pray the rosary like we do at abortion clinics in Spain? Is that... I mean... What is going on? Uh,
1: well, I had heard about the the rosary being prayed publicly yeah. and that some people had been gone to jail and that had inspired more people to go out. <laughs> so I hope the people of Spain will, I mean, if enough members, they can't throw the whole country in jail. That's right. Um, if enough people of faith uh, resist that and yeah. simply, I mean, Going to jail for praying the rosary, yeah. that's, that's ridiculous. Um, and it's just atheistic and anti-Christian. Yep. And certainly we need to fight any of the, the prejudices that are out there yeah. to afford any religious group. Right. Um, but we seem to, people get away with Christian persecution a lot more than any other group. And we shouldn't put up with it because it's harmful to humanity, not just Christianity. If we we know and believe who Jesus is, he's the savior of all. That's right. And when Christianity is persecuted, it diminishes the the blessings and the availability of the good news of Jesus Christ for all of humanity. Amen. We have to resist yep. uh, prayerfully and peacefully, but we have to resist. Amen. It's better to pray for the people of Spain to say, Forget outlawing the rosary. We're going to pray it even more. Yeah. And if enough people do it, that will cause them to not be able to—they can't throw the whole country in That's jail. Right.
0: That's right. And that brings me to the—we talk about prayer. We're going to take some time off on your show until probably oh uh, the last week of, of December because you're going on retreat. I want to ask our listeners who are listening to pray for you in this silent reflection and retreat. For a couple of weeks, you're going to be gone— and and before I'm sure our Eucharistic King uh and and praying for you know for guidance because now you don't have a diocese to run and asking the Lord what does he want you to do to serve Christ in his body the church so that's a great thing to pray for and I and I bring this up because you just started a YouTube channel and I want everybody to go And, you know, probably by the first of the year, it'll be running, you know, uh, on a weekly basis or wherever often you decide to do your seven or eight minute uh, YouTube. But why don't you tell us about that YouTube channel and how people can start plugging into that, please?
1: Well, thanks, Terry. It just started uh, November 28th. uh, And it's just another I know a lot of people use YouTube and I uh, have various subscriptions to YouTube and it's. And I, I I really think what I want to do is shorter segments. Yes. So that people can just have a chance to to listen to a topic if they find it interesting and right. um, to just talk about the faith yes. similar to what we do but to yeah. in a shorter and a different yeah. different format yeah. Yeah. that is accessible to a different group of people.
0: And I love it that it's only 6 or 7 minutes long. Because yeah. people will listen to that. Now, if people want more of what you're doing, they go to uh regular Bishop Strickland hour on, on the radio. They can get that. But I think a certain amount of people are going to want just short bites, and I think it's great that you're doing that. So thank you for, for taking the time to to do that on your YouTube channel. What's the YouTube channel's... Is it Bishop Str- uh, Strickland? J- what, I'm sure... I can't remember. What does it say?
1: Uh, I'm not even sure. I think it's just... if Mr. I know I... Uh, went to youtube and typed bishop strickland and it comes up and
0: that's it just type in bishop strickland on youtube folks and start sending it to your friends we want to get a, a a lot of people to to do that because it's going to help them in their faith now when we come back bishop strickland we're going to talk uh about the priesthood we're going to talk about uh eucharistic adoration talk about things that we always talk about our blessed mother can't talk without talking about her and the Eucharist and our Lord, and there's about a lot of priests right now, and I think this is going to be good for them who are let's just say concerned about the atmosphere in the church right now, where there's a lot of like, well, what's going to happen next, and I just want to reassure them myself as a layman that Father, we're praying for you, Bishop, we're praying for you, please don't ever compromise one iota about the gospel because our Lord is going to honor you for your fidelity, not to individual people as much as to the perennial teachings of the church. And, you know, that's just me saying it as a layman, but I see you as a a bishop, Bishop Strickland, that that you've paid a price for just doing what your duty is called. Nothing more. You're nothing extraordinary. I've known you for years. You're just a guy who loves Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. That's what I'm attracted to. I want to talk more about Jesus and less about you know things that are about the world because life is short and eternity is forever. And when we come back, we'll talk more about the priesthood, the Eucharistic adoration, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Stay with us, family. We'll be back more, with more on the Virgin on the Bishop Strickland hour. And now back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Indeed, Bishop Strickland, let's talk about uh, building up our priests through Eucharistic adoration and our devotion to our Blessed Mother. I know you've written things on Holy Thursday over the years. I've read them. But I just think this is a good time to speak heart to heart, as they say, cora cora, uh, to our priests. Can you talk a little bit about that, please?
1: Sure. That really is something that, in prayer, um, I'm not. I don't have any huge plan already, but I know that I want to support priests, encourage priests, and call priests to to know our Lord in the Eucharist more deeply. Um, I know it's had an, a, a huge effect on my life and the way I celebrate Mass. I've always tried to be reverent, but it, it it's just transformed my own approach. And and from what people comment, oh, yeah. they see that when I approach the Eucharistic altar, that it's they can tell that it's something I believe deeply yeah, in, that is very significant. Yeah. And that's what every priest needs to do. We can't be casual about it. Mm-hmm. We can't um, not treat it as. The, the sacred duty that it is to celebrate the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at his altar. Um, so that's one thing that I want to do. It's still kind of taking shape, but in an ongoing way to just encourage priests and urge them to, to know our Lord, the one they hold in their hands yes. um, more deeply and to, to have a deeper reverence. And that, uh, I think... I know for myself, even after things that I've gone through, I'm joyful, I'm peaceful, oh, yeah. and I know it's because of him. Amen. It's, you know, I don't have any special gift or talent, It's, but it's when you're close to the Lord of the universe, yes. I mean, when you really think about it, I hold him in my hands, yeah. and what a sacred duty, and what a blessing, and I think that it's too easy for all of us, whether we're in the congregation attending or the priest celebrating at the altar mm-hmm. it's too easy to forget what we're really doing and how significant that is um so absolutely i want to encourage priests and i'm looking at using the youtube using my website bishopstrickland.com sure. maybe you know having specific episodes that we talk about here. Of course. uh, Use all the efforts to to draw priests closer to our Eucharistic Lord. Would you be also open
0: to doing a priest retreat? In other words, doing a retreat where if we set it up, that priests could come and, um, you know, that'd be down the road because I have a lot of priest friends who say that uh, they respect what you're doing. uh, They respect... Uh, how clear you are on the faith, and uh, I think that you keep repeating this over the years with me, that it's the Eucharist, man, it's the Eucharist. I mean, I, I, I think of that, um, who's that politician who said, it's the economy, stupid. I mean, sorry, it's the, yeah, some Texan, I think it was a Bush, Mr. Bush used to say, it's the economy. Well, it's the Eucharist, everybody, and and I think, yeah. I think Bishop Strickland, your example, you're absolutely light on, because I've been to Holy Mass with you many times now. And yeah, you can tag, you can tell that you believe. But the spirituality of the priest or bishop that's on the altar really exceeds out to the public that are in the pew saying, Wow, this guy this is sacred that's going on. And and I'm just gonna say this, and maybe I'm out of step when I say this, but I just think that some of the adjustments that Vatican II stated, that we should go back to Vatican II, like ad orientum. I've seen that when a priest isn't facing me, it helps me pray better. I I actually look at him and say, he's helping me pray to God. And so those are little things that I realize they're not at the local parish yet, but it's what the church taught at Vatican II on the liturgy. And I just... I can't, maybe I'm just a broken record, but you know, receiving holy communion, kneeling on the tongue, traditional things that we all would say are just traditional things, but you know, actions speak louder than words. And I'm wondering for you as a priest and bishop if that also affects the priests that are there when they see us as lay people having a great love for the Eucharist. Does it
1: does it work both ways, Father Bishop Strickland? Oh, absolutely, Terry. Um and I've remarked through the years, because as a bishop and even as a priest, having the opportunity to celebrate mass with a congregation that is truly um, engaged, you know, we, the Vatican council, second Vatican council talked about full and active participation in the liturgy. I think we got that wrong in a lot of ways. And I did. Uh, I think there was a, 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 An interpretation of that was, oh, well, everybody's got to get up and get involved and do this ministry and do that ministry. I think we missed the point that full and active participation is being engaged in the sacred in really being alert and uh, at work and praying actively. Not necessarily doing anything, but kneeling there in the pew and sitting and listening deeply to the word of God, but really being... Spiritually present, I would say, rather than just saying, oh, yeah, well, it's homily's a little too long or, you know, the distractions that easily come. But and to answer your question. Yeah, absolutely. When a priest can tell. Yeah. When the congregation is engaged and they're responding. Yeah. uh, Prayerfully and and energetically, it sets you on fire. It it, we can feed each other's faith. Yeah the priest at the altar, reverent, and and taking the time. I mean, really, Terry, I think that's one of the key elements. I mean, you hear different people say, oh, the liturgy's too long. I think if if it feels too long, we're not fully and actively engaged in the way we should be. And it's really not a matter of how long it takes, but... I think it is a matter of taking the time to make sure that it's a sacred event. And then we're not just saying, okay, how quick can we zip through this? I mean, there's one of the, I forget, maybe it was uh, John Chrysostom or someone like that, one of the ancient writers that's in the, the Office of Readings, but I always remember him talking about, which is the human thing that happens. Yeah, But he's he's challenging the priest that he's speaking to, to, to not just say, okay, I've got to pray evening prayer and sort of zip through it without really listening to the words and really engaging spiritually in, in the Lord. I think we're that we're human. We all sure. times make those mistakes, but I think we have to challenge ourselves to really enter more energetically, more focused, put real work into it. I mean, a lot of people have very um, important positions in their career where they've got to really be focused and concentrating. I mean, think about, you know, a pilot of, you know, of an airplane. I mean, they may be on autopilot for a while, but when they're taking off, they've got to be focused on what they're doing. You don't want them thinking about what am I going to have for supper that night (laughs) when they're controlling, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds of, of machinery that's flying into the air. I mean, if that takes focus, doing the sacred takes focus as well.
0: Well said, and I want to give an example. We were in Tyler, Texas, for the Defending the Faith Conference. About 600 of us were there. We filmed it all. You had Eucharistic adoration. That was an experience of what you were just describing. People who love the faith... I'll, I'll I'll remember being up front and listening to the responses at the mass. The people were all in tune, and it was very beautiful. Especially even praying the rosary with a large group of people. That also, you know, fires you up because uh, it it just when you see people on the same page when it comes to the faith, it's just a very edifying fact. Um, Bishop Strickland, let me just look at the clock here. We got uh, three minutes. Okay, so we can uh, talk a little bit more about. Uh, Let's just answer a question if priests are concerned right now about um proclaiming the teachings of the church what advice would you give them when it comes to um giving people you know the full gospel of Christ and not compromising anything and even um even at the risk of maybe being scolded because you know they brought up a topic like on contraception or same-sex marriage Maybe, maybe their bishop or maybe their, their pastor is going to say, hey, let's, let's lay off on that stuff. What advice would you give a priest when it comes to preaching on these controversial topics?
1: Well, Terry, I've, I've actually answered that question before recently. And not just for priests, for, but for people as well. I think what it, one piece of advice that I give is to remember we're talking eternity. Yeah. Yeah. And this world is temporary. Amen. Uh, whatever you're going through right now, it's temporary. Yeah. Uh, whether it's the, the struggles in the church or maybe problems in your parish, whatever we're dealing with, we're dealing with temporary things that will improve or maybe they'll get worse, but it's it's always temporary. As priests, especially and as faithful Catholics. We need to be focusing on the eternal things and in asking ourselves, if this is an eternal truth, is some temporary possible penalty or, you know, um, problem that arises or consequence of what I'm doing? All of those are temporary realities, and we need to ask ourselves, can I Dilute or ignore this eternal truth for the sake of a temporary consequence that I may avoid, but that's only temporary. Yeah. We've got to be people with an eternity focus because that's how God made us. We're not—we're not in the world. I mean, we're in this world temporarily, yeah. but yeah. we're meant to be with God for eternity. Yep. That's what we have to remember. And I think that's a lot of what we've forgotten. And it's like, oh, we gotta worry about today and tomorrow. Well, let's worry about everlasting life and live it, live today and tomorrow in that context, rather than saying, oh, I don't want the consequences of what may happen. Yeah. Um, I think I'm a, an example of oh, yeah. not worrying about the consequences. Yep. You've got to speak the truth. That's right. It brings joy. It brings peace. It brings fulfillment, even in these temporary days.
0: And you know, Bishop, the saints have all given us role models to do just that. We can name, you know, John Fisher. We can name many, many saints throughout the 2,000 years history where they're told, compromise, compromise. And they say, no, give it to me. I'm I'm willing to take it for our Lord. And I think that, when we have that attitude that you've give, you know given as example, and for me, I'm not I'm not afraid if I'm going to speak the truth in charity. You notice we speak the truth in charity. It's not like I'm. Well, I just think that what you're doing is important for the, not just the priests but for lay people to stand up for the truth of Christ. Stay with us, family. We'll be back <coughs> with more on the Bishop Strickman Hour on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. back to
2: the Bishop
0: Strickland Hour. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Terry Barber here. You know what he just said, what the bishop just said before the break about just standing up for the truth and let the chips fall where they fall because, you know, I'm going to, uh, we, we're all, life is short, eternity is forever. So we need to just speak the truth in charity. Now the question I'm going to be asking the bishop is when sometimes people, uh, the idea of trust. And I think that this is really the key. And I, if I'm wrong, correct me on the air, please do. <laughs> but I think we have to have the trust that God will bring good out of these things that he permits. For example, he permitted your removal as the Bishop of Tyler. I'm of the opinion that God is going to use this in a very positive way and actually give you an opportunity to even be more evangelistic in your ministry because now the whole world is open to you through social media, through what you've been doing. You know, you can travel more because you don't have these responsibilities. So my question to you is wasn't, uh, isn't the, the issue for all priests and bishops is that we have to trust that the Lord will guide us even when we speak the truth sometimes and get penalized for it that somehow God will work, you know, his permissive will to a point where greater good will come. Am I onto something or correct me on the air if I'm off?
1: (laughs) No, Terry, I think you're exactly on the right path. Um, And I would, I can't tell you how many people have said they're praying for me. Good. Um, Certainly there are detractors out there, but the huge numbers of people praying, having masses offered. Awesome. And I would really ask because really it's, and I, I'm glad I'm going on retreat because yeah. it's, a, it's a time I need to really reflect and pray deeply as I talk about Eucharistic adoration to spend mm-hmm. r- as much time as I can with the Lord and just asking him, what do you want of me mm-hmm. for the rest of the days that he gives me? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how many days those are. But it's I feel a tremendous responsibility, not not really a burden, um, but a, a tremendous responsibility to yeah. use this time yeah. uh, effectively and to do what God is asking me to do. And so I ask people to pray for me to to really listen to the Lord and listen to what he wants me to do. I think um and I'm, I'm not sure what that is, but I feel muy, very sure that he will help me to know what needs to be done, what I need to do. I'm just one man, but I, I have a great love for the Lord Amen. and have a love for his church. And God is love. Love is the greatest power if we really unleash it. And so... I ask people to really pray for me to, to listen to the Lord and know what I'm supposed to do and to take, it, take that responsibility very seriously. You know, I'm not a, I mean, no priest is, is a bachelor and I'm not, I don't have free time to just hang out and relax. I need to be working, Amen. but just working in a different way. And certainly the spiritual work of listening to the Lord on a retreat. Yes. I think that's the most important work that I can do in these days so that I can really discern what the next days need to, what I need to do in the next weeks, months, years. You know, if I can given, though. Yeah.
0: What you're saying re- resounds with me and my brother Jesse Romero. We've been working together for like 30 years, and we always say, how many breaths of air am I gonna have left? There's only so much, because you you and I have an expiration date. We're not here forever. So yeah. I try to say to myself, what good can I do to share the gospel with someone I meet today? Lord, let me be that instrument, but it's, it's not me, it's you. Use me to proclaim your truths of the faith. I just went to lunch with a benefactor uh, yesterday after the radio show from Canada. He was visiting Southern California. And he told me he was a Jehovah Witness. And then he realized, he started studying. I was this isn't right. And then he came across Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And of course, he heard the truths of the gospel. And he just was so moved. He said, well, I called you because I wanted to meet you in person because I wanted to shake your hand. I'm like, dude, I'm just... (laughs) I'm just a Joe Sixpack guy. I'm not anything special. You know, God uses the weak to confound the strong. But he said, yes, but it was your programming that really helped me understand the meaning and purpose of life. And for that, I'm grateful. I said, well, you know, any good that we do, and I think this would be, you would, you would amen to this. Any good Bishop Strickland does comes from God and we thank him for it. That's, that's how I see it.
1: Absolutely. Well, that's our faith. That yeah. Everything. Comes from God, Amen. Uh, all of creation, and it what an honor to cooperate with it His is, goodness. I love it to share goodness. And let me say, yeah. as you're talking, Terry, yeah. uh, I'm just very conscious that um, I mean, I intentionally wanted to go on this retreat as yeah. we go into the season of Advent. Good. Um, and so, the, for for the first couple of weeks of Advent, like you've already announced, sure. we. We won't have these recordings. No. <clears throat> I would encourage people. Part of my reflection recently, where we're talking about Eucharistic revival, and we absolutely need it. On, and I guess what I would like to focus on in the coming weeks and months is Eucharistic revival on the grassroots level.
2: Oh yeah.
1: And the the U.S. bishops conference is is planning some things. It's great, mm-hmm. but. That will come and go. What I would like to really focus on and, and ask people to pray with me and you to, sure. to give your input. But I'd like for the two of us to talk about maybe one one step in each episode. Yep. And then by the time we get to July, when the big Eucharistic revival is happening right. in Indianapolis, That's right. um, that people are already engaged in a in a. Meaningful way mm-hmm. in making it something that's not just a great event, it, it'll probably be glorious. But if it's a one time event, God wants us to be with Him and with His Son in our daily journey in life. So, the first step in the Eucharistic, the grassroots Eucharistic revival that I'd like to yes. encourage go to confession go to confess your sins. If it's been a week, then that's great. Go again. If it's been a year, go to confession. If it's been multiple years, go to confession. But really, Terry, to me, that's the first step in a grassroots Eucharistic revival is for all of us. I mean, the priest should be busy allowing people to be freed from their sins mm-hmm. as the first step of really going deeper into the presence of our Eucharistic Lord. So going to confession, I mean, you might say, well, that's a whole different sacrament, but they're connected. Oh yeah. and, and it, you know, without railing against the, the false messages that are out there, if you're not going to confession before you go to receive the Lord, very likely you're on the wrong path. Uh, I, I I would be. I, would. I went to confession this morning.
2: Awesome.
1: I'm proud to share that. Not because I'm proud of my sins, mm-hmm. but I'm proud to know what to do with them.
0: Absolutely.
1: To humbly confess them sacramentally and to be forgiven, to be absolved by a priest that's forgiven in Jesus Christ and the love of the Father and the power of the Spirit. But that's the first step of grassroots Eucharistic revival. Go to confession. And then we can talk later on. I'm, I'm not sure what all the other steps yeah. are. but I know the first step is go to confession.
0: But, you know, that's very consistent with a world biblical view. Because the Bible says, repent! And believe in the gospel. So confession, John twenty, they gave the power to the apostles to hear confession and forgive sin. So here's my point. Uh, I get excited when I'm listening because I think of, you know, the church that I'm. I'm sixty-seven years old now. I just got a birthday, so I'm like, I've got a couple years on you now. I usually it's just one year apart. But my point is, I've seen the days when we had forty days. 40 days of uh, a 40-hour devotion where people had Eucharistic adoration. And I saw that as a child kind of get thrown to the side. And people misunderstood what the Mass is, Eucharist, the Eucharist is, and there's been such a lack of catechesis that when we talk about this Eucharistic revival, I'm so excited that you're going to teach this because th- th- this is one of the great needs in the church right now. Um, they say that, you know, Seven out of ten Catholics don't believe in the real presence. I believe it's much higher and anecdotally i've I've asked people this for forty years of going around to different parishes in the whole United States, and they don't have a clue so this need to teach the teachings of the real presence is so important and the value of the mass because I think one of the saints from canada father john father Don Calloway quoted a saint saying that if people understood the mass we would be having a difficulty getting people into the pews because the pews would be so full that they couldn't get in. And I believe that that's a true statement, Bishop Strickland. If people have really understood what the Mass is, They'd be, there'd be so many people wanting to get into the Mass, but I think that, that the uh, lack of catechesis has been so severe that we people have lost the value of going to Mass, and that's why we're down to... You know, 18, 20 percent of the people coming now. Uh, would you agree with that or do you think I'm exaggerating?
1: No, I'm afraid you're you're right. That's yeah, unfortunate. Um, and we just we don't just moan about it. We we recognize Absolutely. it. And we, we have to get to work. That's right. Encouraging people because it's such a beautiful way to live. Mm-hmm. Be truly engaged with yep. life in Jesus Christ.
0: Amen but, to that.
1: It I, overcomes all the darkness that the world can throw at us.
0: Amen. We're going to come back. i got to tell you, when I was 14, I started going to daily mass. It was the greatest decision of my life because I've received Holy Communion. I can worship God. Stay with us. We're going to talk about how Our Lady helps us understand Jesus Christ. We'll be right back.
2: And now back to the Bishop Strickland Hour.
0: been chatting about is dealing with so much among the priesthood with the Holy Eucharist but it applies to us lay people now let's talk a little bit if we can about Marian devotion and why this is not just uh, an option it's critical we have to have a love for the Blessed Mother our, our love for Jesus really isn't as as deep without Our Lady am I on to something
1: yeah I'm I'm glad you bring our Our Lady up because they go hand in hand yeah with eucharistic devotion mary is present in the heavenly celestial banquet that the mass connects us to and so to leave her out of the earthly celebration of the mass of the sacrifice of her son it it really is an affront to holiness and it's a it's a way where we, we fail to really adore the Lord as he wants to be adored. Mm-hmm. He's the one that said from the cross, John, here's your mother. Yeah. Mom, here's your son, John. <laughs> I love it. Symbolically for all of us. Amen. And beautifully. And this is something, Terry, that wasn't emphasized for me um, as I was growing up or even in the seminary. It's something that I've come to recognize more deeply um, as I've really, in my time as a bishop, but we've got to realize, just like we were talking about being um, fully and actively participating in the liturgy, part of that is to recognize that the Blessed Virgin Mary is there. She's present. The angels are present. Um, The heavenly The heavenly host, the communion of saints is there with Mary reigning as queen of saints. And we've got to let our imaginations be aware of that. Really, Terry, I've shared that, and it's an insight that came to me in prayer that has really been helpful because I struggle. I'm just a weak, sinful man that. Sometimes I get kind of burdened and say, "What in the world is going on in this crazy world? Where is the church going? What is happening and one of the insights that has really helped me in it it's sort of duh I, I you know you when you see these things, it's like this is so clear and so true. How could you have lost this focus? but you're grateful to get the focus back but um the reality is. The perfect church, the church triumphant, as we say, yeah. exists. It's not a hope for one day. It's not a possibility if we do well enough. It exists. The saints and the angels adore God in the heavenly and his heavenly throne as we speak. And every time the Mass is being celebrated, that's why it's so. Such a blessing for you in your life that at such a young age, by the grace of God, not because Terry's such a smart man, but because he had a role for you and he knew that you needed that daily Eucharist to fuel what you're doing at 67 years old. <laughs> Amen, this, brother. For me, I can look back at Eucharistic adoration woven into my life even before I really knew how important it was, or even really deeply knew what I was doing because Mary is there, and so many you know so much of that was lost by and it it didn't have to be, but because the focus wasn't as much on the Eucharist, then the focus on Mary present there gets lost as well. That's why we have Mary and hymns at masses, not because, oh, well, we want to honor Mary occasionally, but because she's there, we're honoring the woman who models for us what it means to be at the Eucharistic altar of her son, because she was at the original Eucharistic altar that is the cross. That's where the sacrifice was offered. And I've heard uh, Dr. Scott Hahn beautifully talk about the reality that without it, if we lose the sight of the mass as the sacrifice, right. then then what the death of Christ on the cross becomes an execution. Mm-hmm. What, what's the spiritual meaning of that? It's a sacrum facere. It is a making sacred, the death of the son of God. And Mary knows that better than I will ever in this life. She knows it as we hope to know it in in everlasting life in the beatific vision. She already knows it. She knew it deeply throughout her journey because she's full of grace. She is the mother of of the Son of God, immaculately conceived because of her role. Mm -hmm. So Mary is a beautiful reminder that in God's mind, just like for you, just like for me, we're not sinless. We're sinful men. Men, but God has guided us to keep returning to a the sanctifying grace that is available, that allows us to fulfill our our destiny, to fulfill our role. Uh, again, you know, I don't think we've talked about the the sanctity of the life of the unborn yet. We've got to talk about it. Absolutely, every, every let's hit it. Moment. But. That's part of the reason it's such a tragedy for humanity. Yep. For these children that God says, let them live. Let them have a destiny that comes from my heart of love. That is God's plan. We're aborting our future yeah. when we abort a child mm. because we have no idea what God planned for that child. Exactly. And I've heard the mystics talk and their writings about the beauty of the life of these unborn children. God will not be stopped in expressing his wondrous beauty and love in the the multitude of human beings that he wants to bring into creation. He won't be stopped. Those children are still a beautiful part of his creation. What we're stopping is the mission he had for them. That's what we're aborting. So as you talk about Mary, yeah. she knows so deeply. And that's why Mary, one of the great reasons that Mary is weeping so much in so many of the apparitions, whether it's Our Lady of La Salette sure. or the Our Lady of Sorrows, the Mary's weeping because we are denigrating the sacred gift of life through abortion and through too many other ways that life is not held as sacred. As Pope St. John Paul II said, uh, this culture of death threatens to destroy us if we don't wake up. But God, thankfully, as long as even a few of us are awake and are truly living in the mystical body of Christ that is the church, that uh, goodness will not be extinguished But we do ourselves tremendous harm, and too many lives are left in damnation when we fail to remember Mary and our Eucharistic Lord and the truth of our Catholic faith.
0: Well said. You know, and I think of the luminous mysteries and the institution of the Holy Eucharist now that we pray the the rosary on all the 20 mysteries, but it, it seems to me You've been talking a lot about how the rosary has been really special for your spirituality. And I would encourage all of our listeners, if you're not praying the rosary every day to implement the Fatima plan, uh, you're, you you got to do that. And I want to just ask you the final thoughts here, a couple of minutes, about, again, how has the rosary affected your spirituality, Bishop Strickland?
1: Tremendous. Um I don't know if I've said it to you, Terry, but I've said it at different talks. And it, you know, how you, you say something and say, I really like that. Yeah. that that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but what I said at a talk recently was the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is just my life. Yeah. One full week, you know, nobody really. But the Blessed Virgin Mary took me by the rosary and pulled me closer <laughs> to the sacred heart of her son. I love it. I love that image because that's describes exactly what happened. I started praying the rosary and recognizing, <laughs> it's not just saying, okay, what's that mystery? And then say some Hail Mary, say of our father. But think about, reflect on, pray about the Annunciation, the announcement of the incarnate son of God being conceived in the womb of the blessed Virgin Mary. I can go into that prayer and, and spend a, an hour or more just on reflecting on that mystery. The creator of all entering into his own creation because he loves us so much. God the Father calling his son to do this, guided by the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just, it is something that we need to awaken to. Yeah. When the, the scriptures say pray constantly, I mean, I react like most of us. It's like, how can you do that? Yeah. But the more and I don't I don't claim to be there, but I am making progress and understanding mm-hmm. what that means to pray constantly is to be always aware that we walk with God, mm-hmm. that Christ is with us, that the Holy Spirit dwells in us that Mary and the saints are interceding for us. And that's what the rosary helped open up for me. Wow. It, I like to approach the rosary as from the very the very first joyful mystery, Christ incarnation. He's conceived in the womb of Mary mm-hmm. to the very last glorious mystery. There's Mary again. Mm-hmm. He's crowning her. The one who was conceived in her womb is crowning her as queen of heaven and earth. And everything in between is what the rosary calls us to reflect on. And just recently, more and more, I, my prayer of the rosary is reflecting on what I would call the, the, the space between the mysteries. You know, what happened between the angel Gabriel announcing to Mary and Jesus is conceived in her womb? And it says in the gospel briefly that she went into the hill country to visit Elizabeth. But I reflect on what happened in between the conception of Jesus and those few weeks or a couple of months or however long it took for her to get to that encounter with Elizabeth. And I like to do that with each of each of the mysteries to, to go deeply into the life of Christ. That's what the rosary is about.
0: Bishop Strickland, thank you. We're going to pray for you and your retreat that you're going on. Could you give us a blessing, please?
1: Almighty God, we ask your blessing for everyone participating in the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Don't forget to go to Bishop Strickland's YouTube channel. There will be short seven or eight-minute presentations. Just type in Bishop Strickland on the YouTube panel. Search. And also, you can go to vmpr.org to listen to all the other shows that he's done and many other shows. So may God bless you, and we'll enjoy our Advent season. Um, thanks again for joining us here on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio.